Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Sheff. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's We're back for another week. This is Tyler Chef, your host, and I'm doing things a little different this week. I'm actually recording this week's episode from the Jeep. I've been out running around. I've been up in uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia the last couple days. So I've been busy. Haven't had a chance to record this week's episode. And here I am literally in a park, uh, <laughs> sitting here in the shade, getting ready to record this episode. And I want to talk about this week about the pendulum theory. And this is something that we covered in the recent Mailbox Money Mastermind. Speaking of which, we are taking new students for the next round. The next round will be kicking off here shortly. If you're interested in taking your real estate investing to the next level, head on over to mailboxmoneymastermind.com. That's mailbox mailboxmoneymastermind.com. That's the uh, landing page. You can learn more about the program, a 12-week program beginning to end. And it, we use this to get you off the dime, get you in the right frame of mind, get you financially free. That is the goal. And we just, like I said, we just finished a, a 12-week version with some students there. They thoroughly enjoyed it. The testimonials are there on that landing page. So go up, pop on by there, take a look. And if it's for you, you just uh, let me know and we'll get on the calendar get on the phone, talk about it, see if this works for you. But today I want to talk about the pendulum theory. Now, the pendulum theory, it's something that it's that I use when I'm either raising capital or trying to get sellers on board with accepting my offer. Nothing more challenging than when a seller says no or, or a private money partner says no. Now, that said, I've been doing this for many years, so no is not something that I'm used to being an only child. I can hear to tell you that no, no is absolutely no fun. I've developed my skills over the years by em, in employing a, a variety of different methods to get people clear on understanding what I bring to the table, okay, to help them help themselves. And, and the reality of it is people are scared. You know, real estate investors are scared. People that are that are selling their home are scared. And I've said this to my students on a regular basis. If if you think for one minute that you are more scared than the other party, you're probably wrong. The other party is probably more scared than you are. So keep that in mind and walk gently. Tread, light, tread lightly with them because you can freak people out really easy. So don't let your fear get in the way. Understand that other people are usually more afraid than you are. So with that said, I use the pendulum theory as a way to explain, a way to kind of help guide a conversation along, to... Sometimes with private investors or private money investors or with sellers, you kind of got to help them understand, get their own, get to their own understanding. When I take on new students, you know, I get people that come in and they, they go from 
well, I want to buy a trailer park and I want to buy a, a single mobile home and I want to flip houses and I want to wholesale and I want to do this and I want to do that. And they come up with all these different strategies. The reality of it is most of those people wash out because they're not focused on one thing. You know, they're, they use fear as a guide. So they're going to take the least committal thing. Like they'll say, I'm going to wholesale. Why do you want to wholesale? Well, because I don't have to come up with any money and you know, every real estate investor is broke and all that. So using the pendulum theory, I can usually have a conversation with them to help them understand, first of all, what is their true investor identity? And I don't care who you're dealing with, uh, whether it be a seller or a private capital investor, you need to help them understand their investor identity. And if it's a seller, you need to help them help them come to understand why they're selling. If they don't know why they're selling, if their aunt or uncle or friend told them they should sell to solve their problem, and you wind up getting them under contract and they discover on their own that that's maybe not the right solution for them, well, that's going to cause a problem. That's going to get them to back out. And I'm sure you've heard the stories of sellers that agree to sell, then suddenly change their mind. And I know there's ways that you can, quote unquote, force them to sell. But at the end of the day, is that really how you want to do business? Is that why how you want to be known in your marketplace as the person that strong arms other people into selling? That's kind of dirty pool. I don't like that. So we're going to teach the, I'm going to talk about the pendulum theory today to help you guys come up with some new ways to get people on board with your line of thinking. Now, the pendulum theory is based on Newton's first law of motion, which states that an object at rest tends to stay at rest. Okay. And an object in motion tends to stay in motion with the same speed and in the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. That is the Wikipedia definition. So let's go ahead and create a visual that you can better understand this concept. We're going to start, if you're listening to this podcast today and you're on the treadmill or you're driving, then obviously you're not going to be able to do this exercise. So I'm going to, at least in actuality, you're going to have to do it with your brain. But if you are at home, you're sitting at your desk or you're goofing off at work, you're not paying attention to what you're supposed to be doing at work, then humor me and grab a, a pen or a piece of paper pen and a piece of paper or a pencil and start by drawing a circle. Okay. So start by drawing a circle and then place the numbers basically three o'clock to nine o'clock. So on the, you're going to start at let's say nine o'clock, just like you would in the face of a watch, uh, nine o'clock, eight o'clock, seven o'clock, six o'clock, five o'clock, four o'clock, three o'clock. Don't worry about 10 to two, just focus on nine to three, 9 PM to two, 3 p.m. or rather 3 p.m. to to uh, 3 p.m. To, to 9 p.m. This represents, folks, your pendulum. Okay. So draw a thick, solid line from 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock. Okay. So from 9 o'clock on the left to 3 o'clock on the right, draw a thick, solid line. Okay. In the middle of that line, we're going to place a pendulum. And the pendulum basically hangs down. Think about a grandfather clock. You got the thing swinging back and forth with a little disc on it. And that pendulum can swing back and forth from nine to three and from three to nine. Okay. So think of an old grandfather clock and that pendulum's just swinging. Now, when you were a kid, at least when I was a kid, I remember my grandparents had a grandfather clock uh, and that grandfather clock had a pendulum swinging and that pendulum just swung back and forth and back and forth. And it just kept going and going and going. However, if I held it in one direction versus another, different things would happen. So bear with me. Now, you could be talking about raising money for a particular investment opportunity or about getting your offer accepted by a seller. 
for today's purpose, we're going to, I'm going to refer to you guys as the salesperson or us rather as the salesperson and your seller or private money partner, financial friend will be referred to as the prospect. I'm intentionally using this term because the sale has not closed yet. Okay. That's why I'm saying prospect. I'm not going to go ahead and assume that the sale has closed. Um, so prospect lends us to believe that we still have some work to do right before we get stuff done. So since no buying has taken place, we're going to refer to the other party. And again, this is either the person that has private money that may be investing in your deal or the person that uh, is the seller and they have what you want. So next, I'm going to cover how your prospect feels towards your offering. And this is relative to the pendulum. So what I mean by that is think of a clock like we talked about. Think of a clock. And, you know, that round thing that we used to tell time, at least we did when I was a kid. I'm dating myself now. And let's start at the nine. So the nine is on your left. Now, in the nine side, the prospect is not interested in any way whatsoever, which means turn out the lights. The party's over, right? So if the pendulum is swinging to the far left, that means the party is over. If it's an eight, that means party's not necessarily over, but the prospect is definitely hostile. They're not really tickled pink about the opportunity. They're not excited about it. If it's a seven, you know, now we're starting to swing a little bit to the right. If it's a seven, we'll just say that the prospect is negative about the whole thing. They're not on board. They're not just giddy in excitement. They're, they're kind of like, well, you know, I don't know. Jeez, you know, this, this probably isn't going to work. Right. Naysayers, if you will. If it's a six, now when it's a six, it's hanging straight down, okay? Straight down, not sliding back and forth. If it's a six, they're neutral or indifferent. If it's a five, the prospect is open to looking. That's when they say, well, I'll think about it. I'm just looking, right? If it's a four, the prospect is excited about your offering. Hey, yeah, 8% interest. That's outstanding. Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. Or... You accept, you know, I'm selling for 100000 you offer ninety nine, and the seller gets a big old, you know what, eating grit on their face and says, hey, that's fantastic, right? So that's going to be a four. And a three, the prospect has decided to buy, which means it's a done deal. That means your private money investor has said, yep, I will fund this deal. I can't wait. This is awesome. Let's do the deal. Or the seller has said, I will accept the offer. They extend out their hand to give you a handshake. Why did I say it that way? Because, ladies and gentlemen, we are direct to the seller, right? We want to be in front of the sellers. So let's go back to the pendulum real quick. The pendulum will move back and forth. Your job is to keep it swinging until it reaches either a three or a nine, okay? Because that's the only time which a prospect will make a committed decision either way. So we have to keep the the pendulum swinging back and forth, back and forth. As it goes back and forth, it's going to build up momentum. Now, the neutral prospect is the hardest one to sell. It takes a lot of energy to get them moving. That's when that pendulum is just sitting there hanging, doing nothing. It takes a lot of force to get that pendulum to swing one way or the other. You have to push really hard to get them to swing in one way or the other. Without any stimuli that will keep the prospect engaged, they most likely will lose momentum and come to rest at the 6 o'clock position. So if you just tap that a little bit, at the bottom, right? We're hanging that pendulum swinging right around six. Maybe it's at seven. If you stop, eventually it's going to stop. And you push it a little bit, you're only going to have it waver back and forth a little bit. 
However, for it to get the momentum to eventually lead to a yes, we're going to have to push that pendulum in the opposite direction. Okay. Now I'm saying that again, it's a pendulum. Remember, it's a pendulum. So we want that to swing back and forth. How do we get it to swing back and forth? If you want it to swing to the right, well, you need to then push it to the left and let go. And when you push it to the left, gravity, momentum will allow it to swing to the right. So think about that. You're going to push it to the left and then allow it to swing to the right. Push it to the left, allow it to swing to the right. Okay, so now we've got that clear in our head. We understand what 9 o'clock means. We understand what 3 o'clock means. <laughs> then we can go on. Let's cover the rules. Okay, I want to cover the rules. Now, the first rule states that you simply have to apply energy to keep the prospect moving, right? Remember, we want that pendulum, that prospect, swinging a little bit. We want some momentum. Okay, you can't count on marketing alone. That's the second rule. But you can't first depend, the first rule being you cannot depend on the prospect to move themselves, okay? In other words, when somebody walks in and they are a solid no, you can't depend on them to go to yes all by themselves. You're going to have to give them a little bit of a nudge to get that pendulum swinging in the right direction. Now, the second rule states that you can't count on your marketing alone. Rarely will a website, single marketing effort, or anything like that swing a prospect towards that 3 o'clock position, towards that no, okay? Or towards that yes, rather. So that means, you know, if you've got a website or you've got uh, a blog post or you've got Facebook ads or whatever you got, that's not going to necessarily sell people on what you're dishing out first time go. It's going to take a little more than that, especially on big ticket items, to get things the way you want them to be. So that said, the third rule states that it doesn't matter if a prospect is positive or negative on the pendulum. The most important thing is that the pendulum is moving. Now, a, a prospect that's indifferent, they'll never make a decision. And I know you've run across those before. Well, why are you selling, Mr. Seller? Well, I don't know. You know, my realtor said it was a good time to sell. Or the guy down the street said he, it was a great time to sell. Or could be a myriad of reasons of why they're selling, but we have to get to the true bottom of that, right? And when they're indifferent, when it doesn't really matter to them whether they're going to sell or not, well, it's going to be very challenging to negotiate with these people because if they're not convinced that they need to sell, if there's not a compelling reason to sell, you're going to have a very hard time getting any sort of negotiations underway because they're simply not motivated. So in that case, we got to use this pendulum theory to get things rocking a little bit so you can get things in the position you want. Now, the fourth rule states that you should always stay slightly to the left of the prospect, which would be, in this case, heading a little bit towards the negative, okay? Heading a little bit towards the negative. Remember, we're talking about money and finances, and these are very emotional things for people, especially sellers and, more importantly, investors. These are, these are things that can spawn emotion. So we're going to err when we're talking to them to the side of caution, okay? That's going to force them because by doing so, you're making that pendulum swing to the left. When you're being conservatively cautious, the pendulum is going to swing to the left. So naturally, gravity is going to make it swing the other way. Therefore, you'll be more likely to get your guesses, Okay. So let's take a look at how the typical investor would respond to an enthusiastic prospect 
who's, let's say, at 4 o'clock, okay, which means they're excited about your offer. Prospect says, hey, I really like your product or your offer or whatever, or your, your offering or your scenario. Now, when the typical investor hears this, he or she moves to 3 o'clock on the pendulum and says, great, let's get this written up right now. And in your mind, you're thinking, before they come out of the anesthesia, right? Oh my gosh, the guy agreed to give me money. I better hurry up and jump on this opportunity before they change their mind. Hey, the seller agreed to take my offer. I better make sure I ratify this before they change their mind. And then what happens over time is buyer's remorse kicks in. Even capital investors have buyer's remorse. They get cold feet. They get nervous. They get scared. So the problem is the the prospect being at 4 o'clock is not yet sold, okay? They're not yet sold on the concept. They're leaning towards it. They think it's a good idea, but there's still that little element of doubt kicking in, okay? It won't be until they reach a three o'clock position and actually stay there. That's where financial friends and sellers get cold feet. This is the time when they're still at that four, when they get cold feet. When they get cold feet, ladies and gentlemen, what does that mean? That means that chances are you're going to start spending that paycheck and these folks are not even close to where they they need to be on the grand scheme of things. So how does the prospect respond to the excited salesperson? Well, if I come off excited, oh, hey, you took my offer. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Let's get this done. I'm so excited. Immediately, that's going to make the other party start getting a little nervous, right? You start thinking, they start second-guessing their decision. Oh, boy, did I make the right decision? Did this make sense? Then next thing you know, the prospect says, well, I'm not sure that I'm that interested. Now, sometimes they say this verbally. Sometimes they say it up upstairs between their ears. Regardless, the thought process happens. And when the thought process happens, things are quietly and sometimes audibly unwinding. And when things start to unwind, things will fall apart quickly. Have you ever felt that, you know, you kind of had a live one on the hook and then you're surprised that they didn't buy? Like, for example, the seller was like all set to sell. You blew them away with your presentation and and you thought you gave them everything they asked for. And then for whatever reason, they changed their mind. They don't close. I know I've had this happen more than once. You know, you could have been in a position where you'd bet the whole farm that these people are going to close. People would tell you that, oh, you know, they might waffle. They might bounce back and forth. And you'd be sitting there going, no, it's absolutely not possible. There's no way they're going to they're, they're gonna freak out. I've got these people hook, line, and sinker. They're going to do exactly what I want them to do. Everything would be great. You get to the closing table and crickets, right? So why does the prospect react this way? Is it too much pressure, maybe too much fear? In the early stages of the selling process, this is not uncommon. A certain level of trust and rapport has not yet been established between the buyer and you. And I've said this a lot about running off to the altar, and this is a perfect example of rushing off to the altar. You haven't taken the time to build enough rapport with them before you run off to the altar. When you get too enthusiastic or you respond too enthusiastically, the prospect moves to the protected position of neutral. So if they're a solid yes, Right, if they're swinging to the right, solid yes, and you are jumping all over the place, excited, sounding excited, acting excited, looking excited, it's going to make them their spidey senses tingle. Right, they're going to get a little nervous, and when they get a little nervous, 
they're going to start sliding down to that zero out position, as I like to call it, or the six, right? Now, the typical salesperson panics. <laughs> We've all done it. I've done it. That's for sure. As he or she sees the potential new customer slipping away. And that's the last thing we want after spending all this time working with the investor or with the seller to see them start to slip away. Now, us as a salesperson, we become sometimes even more enthusiastic trying to pressure them, right? A good example of this, if you're listening to Grant Cardone, he's a high-pressure salesperson. And to some degree, that has its time and place. But when you think about the pendulum theory and how that applies in this case, when you start acting a fool, jumping up and down, doing a song and dance or whatever, you know, giving them everything under the sun, albeit begging them to do business with you, how would you feel in that position if you were the buyer? You'd automatically get suspicious. You'd get nervous, and it would make you go the other direction, okay? Uh, the likelihood that you're going to buy in that point diminishes greatly, okay? Think about this for a second. Ever been in a place where the salesperson gets complacent or gets pushy and starts starts act, changing the way they talk to you or the way they act towards you? Well, some people, it results in being angry. Other people, it just turns them off completely and they don't even they end the buying process right then and there. Okay? If the buyer senses that something's not right, they're going to start going towards the seven. So when those spidey senses tingle, they go from a six to a seven because essentially you're pushing them that way. When they get past that neutral zone and they're swinging left, where are they going, ladies and gentlemen? They're going to the negative zone. Soon, before you know it, they'll wind up at nine o'clock. And if they get to nine o'clock and they set up camp there, they pitch a little tent, they're not moving, the sale's over with. That's when they, that's the one, get out of my house. That becomes a problem. Or they decide that maybe their money would be better off in the stock market or with your competition down the street. Now, most investors get in their own way. And this becomes the reason why the prospect does not buy. They scare the prospect and kill the sale. Okay, all the hard work is done to move the prospect to four o'clock and the pendulum is wiped out in a few seconds. So when the prospect is at four o'clock and says, hey, I really like your product or your offer or whatever, your safest response would be, hey, thanks. However, you sure you've given this enough thought? A gentle reply will get the prospect moving without feeling pressure. Now, you may be thinking to yourself hearing this, Tyler has lost his mind. You mean to tell me that I get finally get someone to agree to my offer and I'm actually going to throw up an element of doubt? You absolutely are. Because if you don't want that seller to back out on you, when they're not hard convinced that they're going to accept it, then you need to think about you employing this skill. Now, this statement does two things, okay? When you throw out that little bit of caution, this does two things for you. It offers reassurance to the prospect, and it begins to establish rapport. How many times have I said we cannot run off to the altar? We have to take our time and build rapport. When we take our time and build rapport, we develop no like, and trust. When we develop no like, and trust, in a lot of cases, we can do no wrong and we'll gladly see ourselves at the closing table. Now, the prospect will feel that you're actually concerned about their interests. Okay? 
very, very important part of the process. If they think that you're just there for a commission check, or if you're just trying to raise money so you can you know, help yourself to their coffers, that's going to be a problem. Number two, if there's a hidden objection from them, which means they really are not 100% comfortable, but they're afraid to tell you this because remember, people don't like no, no is uncomfortable. This procedure helps bring it to the surface early on so you can deal with it. Okay. If you don't know that there's a problem, you can't solve it. This is a way to get the problem to come to the surface so that you can solve it. Unstated objections are the major reason why most salespeople lose prospects they should have had. Okay. I'm going to say that again. Unstated objections are the number one reason why most salespeople lose the prospects they should have had. It separates the truly successful investors from those who struggle. Okay. If you can't get people to verbalize what their problem is or what their objection is, it's not possible for you to overcome it. And if you're not able to overcome it, you are never going to see the closing table. That's a fact. That's why when you bring the thing up, whatever it may be, or you throw an element of doubt in there, it will get their creative juices flowing, so to speak, and they will be more comfortable saying no, because remember, no is very uncomfortable. When we take no from a place of being taboo to say, therefore harboring ill will, or you know unsettling feelings, if we shift that from a, a that hidden place to a place that's visible, now we can address it. So let's get back to the example. Now, in this case, the prospect moves to five and begins asking questions. There's hidden objections here that could have killed the deal, okay? When you say what you're going to say, you're going to free up those hidden objections. Now you know what they are, so you can deal with them on your own terms. You're not surprised. You're not caught by surprise. You're not blindsided. You're making this move to bring these objections out when you say it's time to deal with them. There's nothing worse than somebody throwing you a curveball when you're not expecting it, right? I laugh because I think about some of the most recent curveballs that, that have come my way. It's like, ah, oh, geez, you know, I wasn't prepared for that one. And then they throw it at you and you kind of look at them like they've got a screw loose. You know, or I'll start, I'll start looking at the wall and the floor and the ceiling and everything else thinking I can't believe I wasn't ready for that. So... By employing this method, ladies and gentlemen, we're controlling the conversation without the other person really knowing it. We're controlling how things are going to play out. And anytime we can do that, we're in a great position. Now, always remember, Newton's law of motion, an object at rest tends to stay at rest. And an object in motion stays in motion with the same speed and the same direction unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. That unbalanced force, ladies and gentlemen, is you. So when they are bouncing back and forth and not quite sure, it takes a little bit of a nudge from you in the opposite direction from where you want them to go. Okay? And I know you're thinking, he has definitely lost his mind. He is crazy. So you mean to tell me if they're 90% yes, you want me to push them back towards no again? That doesn't make any sense, Tyler. Again, let's go to the pendulum. If we push the pendulum to the right, farther to the right, farther towards yes, what happens? Gravity is going to make it swing the other direction. 
So we're going to go from the place where we want it to be a, a solid yes, and we go and we try to push it towards a solid yes, and gravity's going to run us over like a freight train. It's going to go to a hard no. Well, now you have to work even harder to recover from the hard no. So instead, change tactics. Push a little bit more towards the no, and that's going to cause the pendulum to swing hard towards the yes. Okay? You know, we may have to listen to this more than once, and I am going to write out this episode for you guys in the show notes. It's going to be lengthy, so you can really grasp this whole concept and get it, okay, because it's important. I've been teaching this for several years now. It works like a charm. I do this in almost every negotiation. It helps people get reinforced in their own decisions, okay? So by using these questions, we will eventually lead, rather than drag, the prospect back to 3 o'clock. The deal is done, and the prospect thinks he got there all by himself. What do I always say? A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Dale Carnegie made that famous. Ben Franklin, I think, was the first person that said it who mattered. And, uh, and this it applies right here. A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. As long as we continue to ask questions, the prospect sooner or later will swing up to 3 o'clock. And as a reminder... Three o'clock is a whole hell yeah, right? This is the law of physics in action. I want you to try this next time. Try it with your spouse. Try it with anybody. Try it in a non-real estate transaction just so you get comfortable with it. But you got to try this. Now, let's talk about a prospect who's sitting at six. Okay, now at six, they're indifferent to your offering. They don't really care either way. They're not motivated. They're not really into it, so to speak. What does a typical investor do? We believe all the stuff we hear on sales. That's what happens. And we think if we are enthusiastic about our offering, that enthusiasm will get transferred to the prospect and he or she is going to make a buy decision. Wrong. Here's what we wind up doing, though. Either way, we run up to the 3 o'clock position and show them how excited we are. This is an amazing offer. Boy, you'd be crazy not to take this offer. What the, any logical person would think that was the case because that's what all the sales gurus and, and seminars teach you. But the more you pitch the benefits and features, the more suspicious the prospect becomes. Oh, this sounds too good to be true. Old Tyler's trying too hard. I'm getting nervous. And very quickly, your prospect will go from 7 to 8 to 9 o'clock and the deal is finished. That's when they say, you know, I don't want to sell. I've changed my mind. I'm going to invest in the stock market. I'm going to give my money to my neighbor's lawn service, whatever. So my question is, how do you handle this situation? Prospects at six is at the most difficult place to deal with because he is an object at rest. Remember the law. You have to create enough force, so to speak, to get the prospect moving. Now, by force, I don't mean put him in a headlock and drag him off to the woods. Whenever a prospect is sitting at six, you should move to a nine. Then work from a point that won't frighten or threaten the prospect. Okay, so we're going to, if they're sitting still at a six, they're not, they're indifferent either way. Then we're going to take them to a nine. So we're going to lean towards the negative, take them to a nine. That's going to force that pendulum all the way up to the left. And we're going to let it go and it should swing to the right. Okay, by moving to nine o'clock and gently asking questions. You are building rapport and giving the prospect the space they need to make a decision. Remember, a man, a man convinced against his will is, say it with me, 
of the same opinion still. So we want it to be their idea. When you take that pendulum towards a nine, the prospect feels secure, comfortable, most of all, in control. Only then will they begin to move. Because here's the thing, folks. You're not going to convince or force anybody to do anything. Nobody's that good. You've got to present it in a way that it becomes their idea. This works with children. This is the case with adults. This is the case with investors, with whoever you deal with in life. They have to feel like they're the ones that made the decision. Otherwise, they're going to second guess it. Okay? The prospect may begin to move towards 9 o'clock. Means they're going to head, they may head towards the negative with you. But that's okay at this point because as long as you've inspired some emotion in any direction, that's a good thing. There's nothing worse than them sitting still at six o'clock. A little bit of motion towards the negative isn't a bad thing. Okay. Practicing this technique, I am here to tell you you are doing something that no other investor has done. You are openly discussing your own demise. And it's perfectly okay with you if the prospect moves to 9 o'clock from 6 o'clock. Why? Because as long as the prospect is moving, once he goes from 9 o'clock on the pendulum, there's only one direction for him to go. And that's to swing back down. But this time, they're going to have so much momentum, it's going to take them past 6 o'clock to 5, 4, and all the way up to 3 o'clock. Then the key is gently asking questions the best part of this prospect the best part of this rather is that the prospect thinks he's getting to three o'clock all by himself and what did we say a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still absolutely now let's look at the prospect that starts at nine o'clock how do we respond to the someone that's negative you know, I think you're crazy. I'm not going to give you my money. You want my IRA? you nuts. I'm never going to be able to retire. You're going to leave town with my money. You're going to screw me, right? First, most of us are generally going to fear this prospect more than any other kind, okay? Now, when they won't budge, the typical salesperson runs to 3 o'clock and plants themselves there and doesn't move. So the, your prospect is all the way to the negative, and you're all the way to the positive. Well, nothing's going to happen there. I mean, they can jump up and down, yell and scream and carry on trying to get their attention. You don't want to be in a position to where that's the case. You don't want to be doing all kinds of stuff trying to get their attention and drag them kicking and screaming back to the other direction. That's not going to work. So how does the salesperson respond to the negative prospect? Well, we get behind the prospect at 9 or even 10 o'clock. We need to be even more negative than the prospect to get the prospect moving. Here's an example. Listen, man, I'm not, I'm really not happy with this offer. You know, Mr. Jones, I can completely understand what you're saying. You could probably put this on the MLS. Someone would come in here and play a heck of a lot more than I can pay. And they're probably thinking, why in the world would Tyler say that? Well, because it's true, first of all. Second, he was going to think, oh, the MLS. Yeah, and the MLS. So we're going to get a, we'll get a bunch of, a bunch of buyers and come in here. You could haggle this for hours and hours and hours, and someone will eventually come up and pay the price. You'll be a little tuckered out, but you'll get your price. You might make an enemy, but that's all right. Think about that. Here's another way. Jimmy, based on what you've told me so far, 
my feeling is that you have absolutely no interest in my product, service, offer, whatever, whatever it is. So before I leave, can I ask you one last question? Is this over? That's what we call calling the game. And you beat them there. But wait a second. Prospects don't want things to be over. If anyone's going to call the game, remember a man convinced against his will? They want to be the one that calls the game, not you. They want to be in control, not you. So let's see what usually happens. Now, the negative prospect will say, well, I never said it was over. And you reply carefully and patiently, oh, I guess I misunderstood you. What are you saying? At this point, it doesn't matter what the negative prospect says. He feels as if he's back in control and never saw it coming. Okay? We kept the prospect moving, and now he's moving to the other side of the pendulum. What did we say in the beginning? When there's movement, we're in good shape. When there's no movement, we're in bad shape. Okay? What happens when the prospect says, yes, it's over? They agree with you. And this does happen. But I will tell you this. It's been my experience. It has been on very rare occasions. In the event that does happen, your next move will sound something like this. Before we say goodbye, can I ask you one final question? And the prospect almost always says yes, okay? Next question starts the selling process all over again with an opportunity to get the prospect moving. How about the prospect that starts out at 3 o'clock? Finally, an easy one. The typical salesperson thinks there's a God. Good things come to those who wait. My ship has finally come in. But don't get excited and release the confetti just yet. What got the prospect at 3 o'clock? Was it your website or an email you sent? Possibly, but before we explain how to handle the situation, let's try this. If you're not driving, of course, stick your arm out to 3 o'clock position, okay? Notice how it got there. You had to swing it out, didn't you? How long can you hold it there? Eventually, you're going to have to lower your arm. Remember Newton's law now. An object in motion will stay in motion. Sooner or later, your arm will fall. We just don't know when. So try this. Hold your arm directly out to your side and hold it. It's going to start feeling heavier and heavier. Now put your arm down. Now swing your arm from your waist up to your side and back down again. You could probably do that all day long. But if you had to hold it out to your side, it's going to become painful and uncomfortable. So you're going to drop it. You're going to fail. That is precisely the danger of meeting a prospect who is at the 3 o'clock position. A prospect that is too sold too early is dangerous. An example would be that investor that just can't wait to give you their money. Oh, I'm so excited. Let me write you two checks. Be scared. Be very afraid. The minute you relax, it's going to take you out of the game. The minute you ignore that one thing happening, that overly agreeing investor or seller, oh, yeah, of course you can buy my house at, at your price. Absolutely. And, and they're so excited. The first thing I do is call my title guy and say, help, I think I got a title train wreck. You have to take them through this process because what you're doing is you're taking a weak yes and turning it into a solid yes. That's the game, folks. 
the only way you're going to be able to get that solid yes is to use the pendulum theory to your advantage. Here's the thing you have to understand. You're the only one in this transaction that knows what's going on because you are knowingly applying the pendulum theory. If you apply this theory, you will start getting a heck of a lot more wins. So what do you do? You take this prospect, that solid three, right? You take them and you move them to the six o'clock position. And then you gently start asking questions to get the prospect in motion. After a couple moves back and forth, the prospect will no longer be oversold. But don't worry, the prospect will swing back to the positive if they are truly sold. This is a fact, ladies and gentlemen, they always do. And when they get there at that point, it is a done deal. Now, I'd like you to be able to apply all this. This is a small, tiny example of what I teach in the Mailbox Money Mastermind. It is these skills that will get you financially free. It are these steps that are going to help you outwit, outlast your quote-unquote competition. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Cashflow Guys podcast, and I'll catch up with you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.